Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the OK What's Next podcast with Jason Van Ruler. Today I'm talking with Chuck Tate. And Chuck is a pastor, he's an author, he's a speaker, a church planner, and just a really interesting guy. We had such a good conversation and hit it off right away. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome back to another episode of the OK What's Next podcast with Jason Van Ruler. Today, I am talking with Chuck Tate. And Chuck, man, I've been following you for a while. You are awesome, man. You got a lot of stuff going on. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, man, Jason, thank you. That means so much. And I, I just got to say, I'm honored to be on with you. Well, I appreciate that. I know looking at your stuff, I see you're a pastor, you're an author, you're a speaker, I think you're like 14 other things, but tell us a little bit about some of them. <laughs> sure. Well, my wife and I planted a church when we were in our 20s, and it was in 1990. So we're almost 23 years, and I always joke that we have learned mostly what not to do. When we planted our church, there weren't many resources available for church planters. Okay. And if there were, I was unaware of them. So it's kind of funny because all my church planning friends, they all launched in a school or a movie theater. And we were in 10 different facilities. We were mobile for our first nine years, setting up and tearing down all over the place. We met in a skating rink and a campground. There was a snake in a nursery one time. It was bad, Jason. <laughs> This actually sounds wonderful as a story, but bad if you go there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I look back and I don't know why we didn't rent a school or a movie theater. I, I don't know, but we were in every kind of other building you can imagine. It's been quite the journey, a fun ride, and we really have learned a lot. <laughs> You know, I always like to take like conventional wisdom and then just challenge it. You know, everyone's like, you should probably do it this way. This is what works. And I'm always like, well, what if we just didn't do that? And we just did the thing that seems like a bad idea first. And people are always like, what are you doing? And I'm like, this is just trust me, it's going to work better. Not always, not always. Right. Yeah, exactly. Before we planted the church, we were working for a national youth ministry in Tulsa. We traveled all throughout the country, hosting youth conventions and throughout the United States and Canada. And we were part of a, a national TV show that was on TBN and radio and all these things. The evangelist that I worked for at the time was one of the most sought after youth communicators during that day. And he didn't have a church. So we were plugged into a, a couple churches in Tulsa and the Bible Belt mega churches. And there was this church called Guts Church. They were doing contemporary before anybody else was rock and roll worship, the whole deal. And that's really what planted the seed within us. Mm -hmm. However, because we were in the Bible Belt and there was a mega church on every corner, we had this massive vision and plan, this five-year goal, and we got here and found out really quick that Peoria, Illinois is much different than Tulsa. Oh, it is. So, I wouldn't have guessed that. It is. Okay. How is it different? So, well, you know, Tulsa is one of the only cities where you can drive by a fender bender, and instead of the people on the corner cussing each other out, they'll be joined in hands praying. <laughs> that sounds great. Not here. In Peoria, they're throwing down, man. But anyway, it really has been a great ride. I wouldn't trade it for anything. We've learned so much what not to do, like I mentioned. And at the same time, I'm really grateful for the experiences we've had and the failures we've had. And it's obviously made us better people and our, our church is stronger today because of it. Yeah. How did you do that failure piece? So, I mean, you said, and that's kind of how I like to learn best too, is learn by failure. It seems like that teaches us probably more than any other experience. But 
How did you respond to that failure early on? Was that a big deal to you? Or are you the type of person where you're just like, "Ah, we're just going to keep going. I feel called to do this. We're not going to lose any sleep over it. Probably the latter. I mean, obviously, every time you have a failure, there's something that goes on internally. But I guess what I tell other church planners when I'm asked all the time, man, 23 years, the same church, like, how did you do it? And really, there's two answers. One, I know I was called by God to do this. And I don't take that lightly. It wasn't just something that, hey, everybody's planting churches. We should do this. I mean, back when we did, we were going for a very non-traditional approach. You know, now almost every church is contemporary or at least has a contemporary service option. But when we began, probably the very first in Central Illinois that was doing the the rock and roll style worship and, and that, that whole deal. But one called by God, we knew, my wife, I mean, we knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that we were supposed to do this. And we've had a lot of opportunity over the years to trade it in and to do something different, to taste greener pastures. But we know this is where God has us. This is where our heart is. We love our city. One of our hashtags is for the 309. We're for the people who want to communicate that God is for them and we're for them. And so we really believe that. And the second answer that I give to people regarding sustaining in the same church for 23 years is we've never compromised our vision. Hmm. We know what our vision is. All right. So I love your podcast title. Okay. What's next? If people don't have a vision for the future, they're going to run into problems. They're going to run aimlessly, right? The the word is clear in Proverbs that where there's no vision, the people perish. So we've never strayed from our vision and we've made mistakes. Uh, We've jumped the gun. We've waited too long. We've handled things incorrectly, but we will not. We refuse to compromise our vision. And we've come across people in our church, in leadership that tried to get us to go a different route, a different way. But we refuse to do that every single time. So really, I think that's it. Called by God. Don't compromise the vision. Don't compromise the vision. That's a really good point, though, right? Because it makes it simple. Because I think sometimes we kind of decide we're going to go ahead a certain direction. And then we we change paths so much in, in the interim that we don't actually ever get anywhere beyond just thinking we're going to do something. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. So you're doing this, you have a vision for what you want to do. You're staying put, you're doing what God's calling you to do. And along the way, you write a book. How does that happen? That's part <laughs> of the vision or that, that was an outlier? All right. Well, my book concept was just a life message. It was more of a sermon. And I'll tell you how it became a book idea. Cause you know, I didn't get up one day and go, Hey, I'm going to write a book. But before I even planted our church, when I was a youth pastor, I had a handful of messages that if I got asked to speak somewhere, I'd pull one out where there was this one message that was really my life message. And it's called 41 will come. That was the sermon. And it was inspired by a worship band way back in the day called harvest. And they had an album called 41 will come where they gave like three examples during the song of 40 and 41. And I guess before you go any further, let me explain that for people going, wait, what the heck are you talking about? 41 will come. I really believe that there's something significant in scripture about the number 41, nothing magical, but it serves as a reminder of God's faithfulness. Here's why the number 40, when you read scripture, it usually represents a season of waiting. It represents a season of trial. But the number 41 represents the new beginning, the second chance, the breakthrough. Mm -hmm. So I always tell people, listen, there's nothing 
magical or mysterious about the number. For me, it's just a reminder that God's going to move, right? He's always going to answer me. It might not be the answer I want. It might not even be in my timeline, but I do believe that he always answers. So a couple of examples in scripture. In Genesis, it rained 40 days and 40 nights. Day 41, the rain stopped. All right. Moses committed murder that he hit on the backside of a desert 40 years. It was year 41 that he had his burning bush experience received grace and mercy, was called by God to be the rescuer of Israel. Hashtag second chance, right? Mm -hmm. So then the children of Israel, after being rescued and led through the Red Sea on dry ground, they ended up in the wilderness for 40 years. But 41 came and a new generation entered the promised land. Goliath challenged the army of Israel 40 consecutive days. It was day 41 that David showed up, heard the same words that the army had heard for 40 consecutive days, twice a day, mind you. But he's the one who smashed fear in the mouth, stepped onto the battlefield and took out the giant. Jonah, another example, he ended up in Nineveh the hard way and God commissioned him to go throughout the city of Nineveh to deliver this message of doom and gloom. I'm so glad we're in the New Testament, right? But that was what he was called to do and warned the people that if they did not repent, it wasn't going to be good. Well, 41 came, the people responded with repentance. And the scripture says that God literally changed his mind, extended that grace and mercy, because that's what he wants to do. So a couple examples in the New Testament, Jesus fasted and prayed in the wilderness 40 days as preparation to do what was next, right? Right. He had a plan. He came from heaven to earth to go to the cross. And before he launched that ministry, he spent those 40 days in the wilderness, tempted of the devil. But 41 came, he spoke the word, angels showed up, the devil fled, and he launched that ministry. And that ministry took him to the cross. And after he came out of the grave for 40 days, he appeared to his disciples and he commissioned them to wait for the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened. 41 came, the Holy Spirit showed up. The disciples were empowered. Peter stood up with boldness, preached first message. 3,000 people get, quote, saved. And that's how the church began. So now, more than 2,000 years later, we're still the church. So the message of 41 come is don't quit. Whether you're in a downpour that feels like it's 40 days, or maybe you're in a wilderness season for what feels like 40 years, or perhaps even staring at a giant that stands between you and your dream come true. Maybe that giant is standing between you and what you know you're supposed to do next. Don't quit. 41 will come. So that was kind of a life message. I was inspired by that album. Like I said, Man, I had that's on such a good story too. Yeah. Wow. And I'm 40. So I'm wondering yeah. what my 40 is. Hey. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, 41's coming. What's that? 41's gonna be? coming. Awesome. But the greater message is, I guess I've never really thought about it that way, but that's so powerful, right? Is like there's going to be that next thing or there's going to be the next season. Absolutely. So that was just kind of my life message. And whenever I got invited to speak somewhere, if they hadn't heard me before, that's the one that was kind of, I was passionate about. It was a part of me. I was kind of the 41 guy before I even had a book. Well, I ended up, God opened up the door for me. Not too long after we planted our church, Peoria got an indoor professional football team, arena football. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's basically like tackle hockey. It's awesome. (laughs) That's a great way to describe it. That's fantastic. (laughs) Well, I won't go into the whole story, but God opened up the door for me to be the chaplain. And our inaugural season, we made it to the playoffs. 
We made it to the semifinal playoff game. And in my 15-minute pregame chapel message with the team, I decided to share this message, 41 will come. I hadn't done it in any previous chapel that season. So I shared what I just shared with you and your listeners, the 4041 concept. And of course, I was talking not just about that game, but about life in general and what's next for them. But the last thing I said to the team before they went up to play the game in front of about 9,000 sold out fans was, if you get stuck on 40 tonight, no matter what happens, don't quit because 41, 41 will, come. will come. Yeah. All right. Well, 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 here's what happened, Jason. You can't make this up. I, I, I cannot take any credit for this. It was only God. We won the game, but the final score was 41 to 40. <laughs> you couldn't do that twice. Never. It, it's unbelievable. So we were playing a team, Dayton Skyhawks, and they scored what should have tied the game, but they missed the extra point, thus the final score. Well, it was so crazy. There's so much pandemonium. I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase of plays in Peoria. You know, well, Peoria loved the Pirates. And I had the opportunity to serve in that capacity for seven seasons. But this first year was just unforgettable. That game, we're going to the Gold Cup, the Arena Cup, whatever it was called in our very first season. We're going to the Super Bowl of indoor football. And I stormed. I mean, a lot of the fans jumped over the wall on the field. I was one of them. And high-fiving players and, and just yelling at them, 41 came. Now, the score had not registered with me. I was okay. just pumped that we won yep. and we're going to the big game, right? And every time I would high five a guy, like look him in the eye and like grab him, 41 game. They would be like, you know, <laughs> wow. You, you would have to, right? Because it kind of blows and, your mind. And, yeah. And again, still didn't register until on my way home, I had a friend who was with me and I was driving. We were listening to the post game show on the radio and he was just, quiet the whole time didn't say anything and finally about halfway home he just looked at me he goes dude i cannot believe the score i said i know man 41 to 40 and then when i said it i almost drove off the road <laughs> like, oh my goodness in that moment jason it became a book concept in that moment all of a sudden i just knew i had to write a book about it it took me several years you know talking about what's next I was all talk for several years. I talked about it. I preached about it. I told everyone that I'm writing a book, but I wasn't writing on it. I was just talking about it. And at one point, finally, I had to get intentional mm -hmm. and I had to start writing. I had a friend who just gave me this wristband and it had some letters on it. And it, it, to remind me, he said, every time you look down at this bracelet, I want you to hear me saying, write the dang book, man, write the book. My wife was like, Chuck, quit preaching. about quit. And we did an eight week series at our church called 41 will come. And I hadn't even written the proposal yet. Right. But anyway, <laughs> um, this, I ended this friend up sounds terrible, by the way, what a terrible friend that wants <laughs> you to wear this bracelet. It's awful. It's terrible. <laughs> well, you know what? It worked. I'm like, you know what? I got to <laughs> stop talking. And I had a friend who ended up going to a writer's conference in 2013 and invited me and found out at that conference, there was this man, there was this contest where they were giving away a book deal. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to enter this contest next time they do it with my concept. And Mark Batterson was a keynote speaker that year. And in a session, he asked for everybody in this conference, if they felt called by God to raise their hand. Okay. He said, I know we're at a writer's conference, so I'm not talking about if it's therapeutic or it's a hobby, you enjoy it. I mean, if you feel called by God to write, just raise your hand right now. And of course I had my hand up. That's, That's why, why I was there. there. Yeah. That's why I was there. And it was 
my anniversary. So I didn't, I shouldn't have even been there. And when my friend offered to say, Hey, I'll pay your way. I'm going to this conference. You need to go. You really need to go because he wanted to help me get my book out. And when I talked to my wife, she's like, I know it's a God thing. You got to go. So I did. I was there. And then Mark says this, I raised my hand. And then he said something next that hit me right between the eyes. He said, by not writing, you're living in disobedience. Ouch. And, and that was all it took for me. I knew I had been a disobedient man, just talking about it for all these years. And Mark always said, we got to, you know, pray like it depends on God, but work like it depends on us because it does. And I began to work. I approached uh, a woman who was really the host for the whole conference. Who's now my agent. Her name is Esther Federkevich and approached her, shared my comm set. She loved it. She's like, do you have a book proposal? I'm like, nope. <laughs> I'm still learning what a book proposal is. That's why I'm at this conference. You're like, I just raised my hand. I figured out how to do that. Well, she said, finish your book proposal, write a number 41 on it, send it to me. I won't forget it. Well, I didn't do that. Instead, I entered it into the contest in late December of 2014 into their conference because they had a partnership with Tyndale. And she had no bearing on the final decision, but she was excited when she saw it come across her desk. And just to make a long story short, I ended up a top 10 finalist in 2015, found myself at the same conference I was at in 2013, and they called my name. So the rest is history. That is a really important thing, though, about that whole being disobedient and just how we look at that. Because some of us, we sit on those things for a long time. I mean, I know I can relate to that, just sitting on an idea but also feeling called and in that idea of like, wow, are we really actually doing what we're called to do then? Ouch, man. I kind of wish you hadn't said that. That's not so helpful. I have to practice what I preach because I've already missed a deadline to turn in my proposal for my second book that I've been working on. And I'm back in the kind of in the same place. So this is good. I'm talking about that. I'm being transparent. We have to continue to practice what we know we're supposed to do. Yeah. You don't just do it once, I guess. I I was kind of of the mindset, like you do it once and you just kind of call it a day, but I guess this is more than once. Right. Right. Well, it's been a little bit more difficult balancing things this time around. I shared in our talk prior to the the podcast that my wife has been on a three-year journey with a debilitating pain disease. So I am not just a husband and a dad and a pastor and a writer and a podcaster, but also a caregiver. But our 41 is coming and we're optimistic about a potential surgery in our future. So it's going to be good, but it comes down to this, whatever we have to do next, if we don't schedule it, it won't get done. And that's where I'm at today. I have to schedule my writing periods, or I know it will never get done, or I might be back on your podcast a year from now and going, Hey, I'm still working on that, man. It's going <laughs> to, well, now I'm going to have to hold you accountable. Yeah, right. I'm going to say, Hey, remember when you said that last year? Yeah. <laughs> right. So man, there's just, there's so much here. I, I know uh, we're kind of coming to the end, but I guess the question that I would have is how do you just keep going even in the face of hard things? I mean, so I know the 41's coming, but what are you telling yourself? Is that what you tell yourself or is it just be faithful and it'll work out or how do you do that? Well, in the book, I share seven steps that will help people wait, help people stand until that 41 comes. And I also share what it looks like when it doesn't come, when it comes through a different means, all right, or it looks different than what you envision. So I won't share all seven, but a couple of them are smash fear in the mouth. You know, the difference between David and the army of Israel, they both heard the same words of the giant. They heard the same taunt, the same bullying. But because of fear, 
the army of Israel responded with silence and did nothing but because of faith, David responded by stepping out onto the battlefield and trusting God. So one of the things that I, I talk about in the book is during our waiting time, it's so important to push through that fear. We know that we all get afraid. And the scripture in 1 Samuel 17, it doesn't say that David wasn't afraid. We know that courage is being willing to step on the battlefield, even when you are freaked out of your mind. Regardless, he was prepared. He was ready. So we talk a lot about preparation. I believe that every place we are, God is preparing us now for what's next, right? We want to recognize that. But if we're truly going to be able to do that, we also have to get rid of self-doubt and we have to shake off the negativity. And that's a big part of the book, shaking off the doubt, internal doubt and the doubters. Because as soon as you share your vision with somebody, when you know you're supposed to do something next, right? When you know exactly what that next looks like, sometimes you can share it with the right people and they will shoot it down. David's own brothers didn't believe in him. The king, you would think he would be happy. You think King Saul would be ecstatic that finally, after 40 days, nobody willing to budge. Finally, somebody's going to do something. But that wasn't the case. Even he put David down. So we have to shake that off. And we, again, it comes back to what I said earlier about planning the church. I know the vision that God has for me, and I have to be faithful to that. So it doesn't matter to me what anyone else says. Now, I'm all about safety and counsel, and, you know, that we can receive wisdom from others. Their safety and a multitude of counselors. All right. So we need to pay attention. We need to listen. But ultimately at the end of the day, there are some things where if you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is what God has, then you have to do it. That's pretty clear, isn't it? It it makes it pretty simple. I mean, there's going to be hard times, but if you're called to do it, do it. Right. Amen. Man, thank you so much for being on the show today. I got to talk to you maybe every day for the rest of my life just to stay this motivated. I hope you don't mind. I'm just going to turn into that guy where you're like, dang, it, All right. you're calling me again. Uh, but seriously, man, your motivation, totally inspiring. So I just, I appreciate you being on the show today. We will link to all these things and I cannot wait to see how all this stuff turns out for you and with the family too. And so thanks for being on today. Hey, thank you, Jason. Again, honored to be on today. I love the podcast and keep up the good work, man. All right. Thanks. All right. Yeah. Hey everyone, Jason Van Ruler here again. Wanted to check in and just say I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. At the end of every interview, I sit down for a couple of minutes with my journal and my pen and I write down what I took away from that. And I have to tell you, I mean, this season I have taken away so much. It's just like I'm learning. This is like a huge education for me. And so I hope it is for you too and that you're enjoying the show so far. If you are, now might be a good time for me to tell you a little bit about my goal for 2021, which is to help a thousand people realize their what's next. And so if you're like me and you want to help other people do that, I'd ask, could you leave a positive review if you're liking the show or subscribe or even maybe share that? I think the more that we share this information and get it out, the more people see that they can do it too. Lastly, thanks for listening. This show has been such a blessing in my life. I could not have imagined how this would have gone in this journey. And so I just thank you for being part of it.